so embarrassing. We do have we have visitors today, you know. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <clears throat> uh, Darwin's theory of evolution. Right? Who's evolutionists? No. About 150 years ago was a great breakthrough, origin of the species. Some still do believe in this theory. One way to put the idea is that parts for, say, a mousetrap are sitting around your garage and you could construct it more easily. There's some wood, there's a spring that was perhaps in your old grandfather clock and a hammer. And given enough time, you could make a mousetrap that works. But the pieces are similar to the pieces of a functioning mousetrap, but the problem is that they're too big, they don't fit together, they're the wrong shape, and a hundred other problems, it's not going to work. In Darwin's time, and for decades later, people were looking at cells in microscopes that today would be in museums. When you look at a cell in a microscope of that quality, it looks like a blob of jello. So the idea was, could this blob of jello in, say, a lizard be or come or become the blob of jello that's, say, in a bird? But then our microscopes became far more penetrating, and we came to understand just how complex even the simplest life is. Um, within a simple cell, the structures, the movement, Maggie, stop drawing. Like the cell, we also looked at the universe, and we thought, hey, the universe is pretty simple. Earth's in the middle, sun goes around it, and then we were like, oops, here comes Copernicus. Copernicus says, no, sun's in the middle, so we rearranged it, drew some circles, put it on a piece of paper. Universe is simple, but then just like the microscopes got better, the telescopes got better. And interestingly, at the same time, we're looking in while we're looking out. And then, something like the Hubble Space Telescope comes. These uh, white images that you see are galaxies that are roughly 4 billion light years away. Uh, that is 5.88 trillion miles, or 4 billion times 5.88 trillion. So do the math quickly in your head. <laughs> And you get that number on the bottom. That's how many miles away they are. And those are the ones you can see. There's other ones behind them that are farther away. And it's not simple circles, is it? Those are all galaxies, by the way. They're not stars. They're galaxies. Enormous. What's the matter? No? Maybe you're hearing? I don't know. Is it? Can you not hear me? What? It's going in and out, really? I just put new batteries in. Sorry. All right. Let's try that. Thank you. Well, forget it. You know, evolution is wrong. Let's just move on. No, I'm kidding. Um... 
The other thing, all of these galaxies, massive things. They're massive. They're bigger than you can imagine. They're bigger than our Milky Way, of which we are a small part. They're moving around at fantastic speeds, hundreds of thousands of miles an hour. Where does the energy come from to do that? Is it simple? That's my point. The answer is no. So then we go from there to the solar. Yeah, that is going in and out, is it? Um, the, this. Any, uh, uh, five bucks to anybody can tell me what this is. Oh, it's on the slide, but it's... Uh, so anyway, this is a flagellum. It's a little tiny propeller on a cell. So if you see in the smaller picture, there are little hairs that come off the cell. This is a very simple cell, E. coli cell, salmonella. And uh, these little cilia, they spin around, and they're like little outboard motors. Okay. But the, the issue is with these little motors, or the fantastic thing, is that the parts that make the motor, which are in the bigger slide here, those things, all those multicolored things in the bottom, are all parts to the motor, <coughs> and there are 30 of them. There are 30 parts to the motor. Each one of these parts is not just a hammer or a spring. It's a protein. It's made by proteins. Made, these proteins are made by DNA. Uh, each has its own sequence of DNA, which is massively long. Uh, and, and actually, of course, we know four <coughs> is that, I'll change them during song service, the battery, sorry, is that in this, <coughs> in these, uh, this code, is a language. There's, to each of these little 30 parts, there's a code on how to make it. And it's a massively complex language. Bill Gates even acknowledges that this language is far more advanced than any computer code anybody could have ever written. These are in 30 little parts on a little propeller on a salmonella cell. Complex beyond imagination. So, who's an evolutionist now? Oh, wait, you weren't before. <laughs> I've debunked evolutionary theory for you. Actually, everybody in the world should know this and know that this theory, and Darwin was smart enough to acknowledge it himself, that if they couldn't, if things got too complex to form links, then his theory didn't work. He acknowledged that, but nobody cares to mention it. Uh, but that's not my point. My point at the beginning this morning is not to debunk evolution for you. The things in this world are far more complex than we know. Far more. We just take them for granted. Which, in a way, we should. You have to sit around thinking about how all those trillions of cells inside your body are all working. I mean, come on. We, I can't think of only one thing at a time. Thankfully, I don't have to know how my cells work in my body. They work. I don't even have to know how to repair them. God has put a mechanism in each of our bodies by which our bodies repair themselves. <clears throat> People are content, however, to hold on to false theories. First off is the complexity issue, and there's a spiritual application to this. The way God works in this world and the way God works in you is far more complex than you could possibly know. And sometimes we get caught up in the details rather than just enjoying the life. 
We want to analyze every little bit. We're very curious creatures, so God has made us that way. That's a good thing. But we can get caught up in the details and forget the beauty and forget to see the beauty of things. If you were looking at a sunset and you had some nerdy scientist sitting next to you trying to explain how all the light rays are bent and what wavelengths they are and how far they travel and how fast they go, you'd be like, could you please just shut up and enjoy the sunset? There are also another, there's also another issue. People hold on to false theories when truths like this, this, this is not a new thing, by the way. This has been known for decades. But still people hold on to false theories. Why? Well, the truth is hard. It's hard. So it's better to believe the fantasy. It's easier, I should say. And there are spiritual ramifications to that as well. We must understand that though that, that sorry that though the work of God in us or through the work of God in us, which is our spiritual lives, though it is beyond our understanding how God works within us, we must know the truth and live that truth. So you can go the other way and say, well, this is so complex, why bother? But what God has revealed to us, He calls us sheep. Not too many wise, not too many noble. He doesn't have a high opinion of us. But what he tells us to do is simple. It really is. Trust and obedience is simple. And we could say, well, wait a minute. What about this God? And what about this? And he's like, no, 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 no. no. Just trust me and obey me and I'll do the work. I'll take care of all of these little motors that you need. You just go. Go and do. That's what the Lord said to the guy who had all kinds of questions for him. He said, look, just go and do. Today in our lesson, we're going to be looking at something very important, which is so complex it's beyond our minds to, um, to comprehend. But at the same time, it's also very simple. God the Holy Spirit is in you, to work his good pleasure. God the Holy Spirit is in you to make what you do in faithfulness supernatural. So when you look at the command of the Bible, what Jesus told us to do, what the writers tell us to do, and how to live and how to be, and we say, well, that's for the guys in the paintings with the halos, or that's for the apostles. It's way beyond me. I'm just Joe, man. I can't do that stuff. That is a lie. Because every single believer has the Holy Spirit within them. If you have believed in Jesus Christ as your Savior, by faith alone in Christ alone, you are born again and saved. God the Holy Spirit indwells your body. And He's there for a real purpose. And that is to make the things that you do in faithfulness, understanding in the Word of God what they are to do, what we are to do, He will make it supernatural. Your faithfulness will be made supernaturally uh, complex. And that's what we're going to look at today. First, we're going to sing. We're going to sing together in our hearts with joy that comes from God's grace and love. And also, it is the Holy Spirit within us That if you know the Lord and love the Lord and you sing these words, He makes you happy. That's the promise. 
How does he do it? Don't ask me. But he does it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, help us to see the reality of your spiritual life today. Functioning in our own, in each of us individually, filled and walking by your Spirit. Show us in your word, Father, the path of experiencing your fulfilling, your good pleasure in us. Enable us to lay aside our pre-understanding that's not in accordance with your revelation. And enjoy your presence and your will this morning. As we sing to you, we sing together from the joy in our hearts, which comes from your grace and love. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All rise, please. i mm-hmm. 
Uh, turn your Bibles to, oh, that makes sense. No, oh, it's even, it's louder. There's new batteries. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, in this lesson, we're going to be, that sounds good, Raj, I think. Uh, in this lesson, we're going to be looking at the nature and experience that happens in the ministry of God, the Holy Spirit, to believers. Uh, this is perhaps one of the most important doctrines that you uh, can understand and should understand. And it, it will, if you're not familiar with it or you've still been struggling with, uh, the, you know, because there are some level of paradox here, which there always is when uh, God is working. When you have an, an omniscient, omnipresent God located inside of you working and you're a sinner, limited, not so bright, and I don't mean that. I, what I mean by that is the Bible the Bible calls us all sheep. All right? So compared to, as my pastor used to say, compared to the dumbest angel, if there is such a thing, he'd be a genius compared to any of us or the best of us. And and so there's, you know, there's we have questions. There's paradoxes. There's how does that work? How does it happen? And uh, we're going to look at that. Uh, as far as we can. We can only go as far as the Word of God tells us. If we start digging deeper, we have no source of information. Now, if we think we can figure out the deep things of God on our own, then we're definitely the dumbest of the dumb. So, if you turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 5, we started looking at this this week. We'll, we'll spend next week on it, too, as things are panning out. Uh this is about being filled with the Spirit. Now, uh, God works in us the way in which we cooperate, and sorry, in which we cooperate, can be looked at through the simple revelation of God work, God's Word. How God works in us can be seen in the simple revelation of God's Word. Problems arise when we try to know more than is revealed. And that, that was why I used my opening illustration. Things are complex here. Very. And, you know, if you saw a piece of rotted food and you were, you know, saying, well, how does that salmonella in there really work anyway? Does it matter? Don't eat it. All right? Don't eat it. You don't need to know how the little cilia spin around. In this case... Uh, it is best to be childlike in faith. Jesus told us, 
You should be like a child. Not in intellect. That could be taken the wrong way. We need to know the fullness of God's revelation, which is a lot. But when it comes to faith, you're trusting like our children trust us to take care of them. They don't know how it works. My little Maggie uh, is into uh, doing her own stores now. So she takes her stuff. She sets it up around her room. Even yesterday when she did it, she cleaned her room. And she told me that, yeah, it's not good for you know an owner of a, a business to have a dirty, dirty floor. I was like, very good, very good. I don't know where you learned that. Thank you, Mom, because I didn't teach her that. But... <clears throat> I go in there and she's like, I go in and, and, and I'm shopping and I'd like, I'd like that thing. It was like a little frog. And I was like, how much? And she said, zero dollars. And I'm like, well, you're not going to stay in business long with prices like that. Do kids understand money? No. They don't understand all that stuff. They trust us. It's childlike faith. That's what Jesus means. When it comes to the mechanics of God the Holy Spirit working within us, it's best to have childlike faith and do See, sometimes we'll say, well, childlike faith means I'm not going to really take the Word of God all that serious and all these commands. That's not childlike faith. That's not faith at all. Faith is, this is God's plan for my life. And faith says, I'm going to live it. My background, my DNA, all of that stuff, my past, my sins, my favorite sins, whatever they are, my weaknesses, that doesn't matter. They're going to try and hinder you. They're bumps in the road for sure. Sometimes they're cliffs we fall off of. But God the Holy Spirit is in us to make this happen. So none of us have an excuse other than we don't want to do it. And this life, this is described to us in the Scripture as something that is absolutely beyond amazing. This life that God has planned for us. So Ephesians 5.18 says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. The word dissipation there, we looked at this uh, last week, is the, uh, the doings of the drunkard who throws away with both hands the precious gifts they have in their lives. They throw away time, they throw away relationships, they throw away work, they throw away accomplishment, they throw away everything that's good. And as a believer, you throw away your relationship with God for a drink. And that's what dissipation means. The Greek word is asatia. It means to waste. It's actually the word used for the prodigal son. The prodigal son is the dissipation son. It's the exact same Greek word. And it means, what did the prodigal do? He took the gifts of the father, he went to a faraway land, threw it away. So, have you thrown it away? I'll just say me up here. Hi, I'm Joe, and I'm filling the blank. Hi, Joe. Whatever it is. You're a something-aholic. Something. All of us are. We're sinners. If we've thrown it away, what did the prodigal son do? It's the best part of the story. He came back. And the father did what? Ask him what he did. Where's the money? Pay him back. No. Threw his arms, ran out to him and threw his arms around him. And when the son was in the middle of saying, I'm only deserving to be your servant, your slave, he said, shuts him right up. Let's have a party. My son was dead, now he's alive. You're forgiven. 
come home. Perfect song for that. Come home. Live this life. Sure, all of us have been deceived many times. All of us have been had had the wool pulled over our eyes. All of us have used our pride and our arrogance to deceive ourselves. But if you're alive, if someone puts a glass under your nose and it fogs up a little, there's still hope for you. A great hope. So don't so the uh, don't get drunk with wine. That's the reason why Paul uses this illustration. We saw this this week, and that, that's uh, Tuesday's message. I think I, I encourage it. I, I almost feel like I want to reteach it, but I've got things to do today. But be filled with the Spirit. Getting to understand the nature of the filling of the Spirit is extremely important. Although the command to do so is only found in this verse, the filling of the Spirit is found in several other passages, both in the Old Testament and in the New, more so in the New, and mostly in the Gospels and in the book of Acts. Uh, so, <clears throat> but the command is only here. And here it is a command be filled. It's in the imperative mood, it's passive. All this Greek mumbo jumbo just means that you're commanded to do it and that you receive it when you do it. You receive the filling of the Spirit. You don't fill yourself with the Spirit. Now, there's another, and we'll look at this coming up this week, there's a a command to walk by the Spirit, also a command in in Galatians. And I would not draw a strong difference between those two. Walking is living. In the Scripture, walking always means what you're about, what you're doing, what you're living. Being filled, sure, could refer to a moment, but here you see Paul, and especially in the context of this letter to Ephesus, that Paul is painting a picture about what a believer should be in his life. We're not all going to be filled. See, because when you sin, you're not filled with the Spirit, and we're sinners. No one is here. No one is ever going to reach sinless uh, lessness. See, I'm so not sinless that I don't even know what the word is. None of us are going to get there. So not, we're not always going to be filled with the Spirit. But what is our life in general? What is it characterized as? Filled with, fill in the blank, that was Tuesday's message. What do people fill their lives with? These. So I don't have my cell phone, but cell phone, news, entertainment, Super Bowl. Totally going to fill myself with that today and a bunch of food that I shouldn't eat. (laughs) And thank you, Kurt, for noticing my gut. (laughs) It won't slow me down, but it will make me think first. I shouldn't, but I'm going to. All right. Uh, what do we fill our lives with? You know, there's all kinds of stuff, and you can go through life and jumping from one thing to the next to the next. In our technological world, it's easiest to do than it ever has been. Ever. We can waste time and not even know it. Twenty years go by, and you're like, what in the world did I do? Nothing. You did nothing. I mean, not you, but you could. 
And see, here, where what if my life, and, and Paul draws a strong contrast here, what if my life is a drunkard? What have you done? Well, you've done probably less than nothing because you've taken from others and from yourself. You've gone negative. But it's the same, as he says here, dissipation. It's the same wastefulness as if filling your life with anything else than God. Your creator, the one who became a man to bring the life of light to the world. And if we're not filling ourselves with that, then we're wasting our time. And it doesn't matter what you're doing. Up in heaven, God's not going to be, wow, nice bank account, nice car, nice house. He's not going to care. Jesus got up to heaven and he was like, I never had a house. Certainly didn't have a car, but, you know, Jesus had nothing. (laughs) He had nothing. And he changed humanity. Now, the world word filled is a simple word. The Greek word is pleroo. It's a very simple word. It's used, been used in classical Greek for ages, and it just means to fill up something that's empty. So one of the first uses of it is a pitcher that's empty, and then it's full. <clears throat> Filling of the Holy Spirit, therefore, is a supernatural influence, a supernatural inspiration, a supernatural clarity, a supernatural impulse, supernatural wisdom and understanding, and supernatural power. And there's more. What other manifestations could you think of? You're like, uh, Pastor, I don't remember your list. Okay, here we go. Influence, inspiration, clarity, impulse, wisdom, understanding, power, what else? The Holy Spirit is the source of all vital experience in the life of the Christian. For big events, I found this marvelous silhouette of David and Goliath. I love the fact that he's spinning his little his little uh, sling around. All right, whacked him straight, whacked that big jerk straight in the head with a rock, a rock about the size of your fist, traveling at about a hundred miles an hour. Dead in a second. Then cut off his head and held it up. And then the Israelites finally found their courage and chased down the rest of the Philistines. It's great victory. Yeah, how was David able to do such a thing? Now, did David fight Goliaths every day of his life? Oh, God, I'm, I'm sure he would not have appreciated that. He didn't. But we face big things. And the Spirit promises that the battle is the Lord's, just like David said. You are going to accomplish this. Hold on to your faith. Do what God tells you to do. Don't worry about what it's going to look like. Don't worry about... Um, how it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Are there things that I have to do, though? Yeah, there are. You have to be faithful. You have to do what God tells you to do. The Holy Spirit is not going to give you the power to do something outside of God's will. You're on your own with that. And how have you done so far? How have I done so far with doing things of my own outside of God's will? Wow. That is a train wreck.
And this is the same problem we had before. Yeah, I know. We'll, we'll just go with it, Raj, and try and figure it out later. Everyday needs. My my picture there is you studying your Bible. That's an every. That should be a nice quiet thing. If you're fighting Goliath, you can't. It'd be hard to do both of those at the same time, right? You're you're studying to be prepared for Goliath. Now Goliath is any major problem in life that you got to face: death, sickness, financial ruin, whatever. Nothing happens to us in this life that is not a part of the sovereign will of God. You're, if you're a believer here this morning, you are his child. He has predetermined your life. Not that he's forcing you to do anything. He just knows it all. And he's got your back and your front. And he is not going to give you more than you're able to bear. He's going to give you that which is going to strengthen your faith and strengthen your relationship with him. Those are Goliath moments. But the everyday needs, studying Scripture, praying, applying the truth to the circumstances of life, whatever current circumstances they are, they could be very simple, they could be complex, anything in between. I have the Holy Spirit to make what this is alive and powerful function in my life. But I have to choose this. I can't, it's, it's not going to be like some, like, so... Is that it's coming up soon? Where there's been a lot of uh, pretty some of uh, 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 I can't talk all of a sudden. <laughs> Chris, Chris, you always laugh at me when I do. I do this often. You know, the mouth is is going, and the brain is like, uh, uh-uh, uh no, no, I'm I'm not telling you what to say right now. And you're like, uh, uh. <laughs> speaking in tongues. That oh what a perfect segue, perfect segue. Right, this is what the filling of the spirit is. I'm gonna ooh, ooh ah, ah all through the day. But what is is that correct? Now we've got to iron that out by the scripture. But no, I mean that's not what the spirit is given to you for to say gibberish that no one understands, even yourself. No, that's not it. But what about this deep emotional feeling? What about things like that? There's some truth to that, but we take it too far. Some have taken it too far. Like If you don't get thrilled by the work of God in your life, you need to take your pulse. But if that's what you're after, is the thrill all the time, you're kind of a spiritual hedonist, that doesn't go together. You know, the hedonist is the one who's always looking for the thrill. And it's not always a thrill. <laughs> At times it's anything but. At times, it's sludge work. And in all of these cases, it demands faith. There's been a lot of strange theories about what the filling of the Spirit is. Some of them are better theories than others. But theories are theories. What are, who, who makes theories? Like Darwin. It's a, good, it's, it's a decent theory at the time. If you're looking at cells and they look like little jello blobs, you say, well, yeah, you know, this could work. You put a bicycle in the garage for two million years and it turns into a motorcycle. Of course. All the parts are there. It doesn't work like that. We find out it doesn't work like that. To move from the cell that's in one thing to the cell that's in another thing that has two different functions, you need an entirely different code 
that coat is long enough to wrap itself around the earth a few times. And that coat's got to be perfect. One little part out of, out of order, and it doesn't work. He's saying, hmm, it's got to be a god, right? But, <clears throat> I mean, you could be a deist and say, yeah, there's a god, I, I acknowledge that. But what is the God, what is, who is the God that sent His Son so that you could be freed from your sin and forgiven so that you could become His child so that He would indwell you and give you a life that now you live that is above and beyond anything that we could have ever asked or thought. So, context helps us a little bit here in Ephesians 5, just a bit. Now, the real context of this passage in Ephesians 5 is chapters 4, 5, and 6. Uh, and, you know, that, that's something that if you want to sit down and read at some point, especially in, in view of the study that we'll, we'll spend another week on this, it would do you a lot of good. Just take it slow. It's only three chapters. wouldn't take you long. Read the whole thing with the filling of the Spirit in mind. And you'll see words come alive. But look at the immediate context. Go back to verse 15. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is wastefulness, dissipation, uh, uh, prodigality, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. You see all that's there? This is a portion of the Christian life. A portion. The first word, it says, be careful. See that? This Greek word is blepo. And blepo means to see. So, this is a command. See. Let's see with an exclamation point on it. And that means look out. Why? Flesh, world, devil, all of it is out there, in here, to trip me up, to make me fall, to deceive me. That's the worst. The worst is being deceived. It's one thing to be in knowledge and say, yeah, I know I committed that sin. I know that's a sin. I confess it. I know that's a sin. I confess it. And there's a bunch of sins that I've done. A bunch. Some will say there's some sins that I've done that I don't even know I've done. I, I couldn't identify them if they, if they were in the shower with me. That's a weird phrase, sorry. <laughs> I heard that somewhere and I thought it was funny. Uh, it's not. Thank you, Chris. You need to be in class more often to keep me nor normalized in some way. <laughs> Judges say, uh-uh. Do not. <clears throat> so I admit what? What's the truth that I know? That I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm more of a sinner than I know I am. So I confess to the Father, Lord's Prayer, forgive me my debts as I forgive my debtors. 
Forgive me my trans, uh, transgressions, my sins, as I forgive those who sin against me. I've sinned, Father, today and every day. I know this. You see, therefore, I'm alert. At least I'm alert to my sin. And as I grow in grace and knowledge, they're going to become less frequent. And you're going to overcome some weaknesses that you didn't think you had the power ever to overcome. You will. I promise you. The Holy Spirit is in you to do this. God can do anything. So alert. So let's look at this again in terms of context. This filling of the Spirit, what does it look like? It means that the Christian is alert, wise, opportunistic, making the most of his time, his or her time. Opportunistic. I'm looking for opportunities. And I'm excited about opportunities. Understanding of God's will. Not a life that throws away God's gifts. What's the opposite of throwing away God's gifts? Treasuring them. Protecting them. Enjoying them. Active joy expressed from the source of God. This we often see this second part, verse 19, speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And be like, I ain't singing to people. That sounds stupid. It would be. I'm not really singing to one. I guess if you wanted to, you could. Your voice better be good, though. And from here in this congregation, no, I'm not going there either. All right, huh? Chris, judges say, uh-uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> what does it mean to sing to one another? It means as we speak to one another and we communicate to one another, hymns are made of God's Word. It doesn't mean we have to speak Scripture to each other, but what the Scripture really speaks of, we speak to each other. Not nonsense, but actual things that are true and lovely, and I have joy in my heart because of them, and I want to speak to you with, about them and encourage you with them. That's what that means. And then it's melody in your heart to the Lord, which is your joy is unto Him and unto others. This is the filling of the Spirit. Always thankful. This is the filling of the Spirit. What was I grumbling about? Well, how long ago? I'm a grumbler, man. I can't stand it. At least I'm alert to it. <laughs> But, you know, I'll get all bent out of shape because this ain't working or that ain't working. When's the last time I grumbled? When my mic was cutting off in my intro. I was like, oh, it's our stupid mic. <laughs> These things are out of my control. I should be thankful I have a microphone. I should be thankful that you're here and that I'm here. <laughs> right? So none of us are perfect. But we're alert to what? The Spirit-filled Christian is thankful to the person of the Father and the Son and to others, is thankful in the Lord's name, thankful for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. We're thankful to both, thankful for both, and we're, we express that gratitude to each other because of them, not because of us. And then the last part, subject to one another in the fear of Christ, in the fear of Christ, meaning that I'm not afraid of Him, but I seek to please Him. My great Lord. We'll be learning about this God-man for all of eternity and the rest of our lives if we want to. He's unfathomable. 
chokes me up. From that fear of him, respect, awe, want to please, we're subject to one another. Because that's what he called us to do. That's what he did for us. He who was rich became poor so that we who were poor could become rich. That's in Corinthians. That's a spiritual life. Spirit-filled life. And that's a snap. That's a portion. There's more. (laughs) It's like the guy in the commercials. Uh, But there's more. So think about it. It, I mean, wow. Right? What a life. So now this is when the pastor throws at you, is it your life? And I mean it. But bounce it right back at me. So I ask, is it my life? Is it impossible? The answer is no. How do I get it? Ah, good question. We'll be looking at that more this week. First, I can summarize, have faith. If you don't believe it to be true for you, you're not going to do it. You, You can't go about something this big and important halfway. I mean, most good things you can't go at halfway, right? We know this. I put half my effort into something, I'm going to get half. And actually, I won't really accomplish anything. For this, this is the most important thing you're ever going to do. So first, have faith. Second, do all the that the Word of God tells you. Now, The grace of God says you're not going to get it right all the time, and the grace of God says you're forgiven of all things. But do not let that truth, that marvelous, wonderful truth, make you think that you don't have to keep God's will and word to the letter. And so leave out your alterations. And that's, that's, uh, I can see we won't have time, but we're going to, alterations is when we, right, we're going to take the, the garment and we're going to make it fit us. Yeah, that was a great application, right? You go to the tailor, got to take my suit out. Yeah, too many Super Bowl Sundays or whatever. Alteration. I, say, I don't, I don't want to wear these clothes. By the way, this analogy runs throughout the Scripture because we're to wear Christ. Like a coat. Uh, I, I mean, some parts fit, other parts I don't like. Can I get an alteration? God says, uh-uh. You know, in the Old Testament, there's a spirit-filled tailor. I'm not kidding. A spirit-filled tailor who makes a garment. And if he's not spirit-filled, it ain't going to work. And it's a very particular garment. It's a very important one. So no alteration. So first, again, have faith. Second, do all that the Word of God tells you without your alterations. <clears throat> what about my life? This is better. You know, and I get it. I get it. I've argued with God about this for years. And there's no other way. I think most of us have to find that out. 
through a lot of bumps and bruises and some things you know that we've torn up that ain't coming back uh, is the glass fogging up because you still have you still have an awesome chance to change to make it right and to when it's right that road is going to get easier and easier to travel and as you travel it the sights on that road are going to get greater and more beautiful and all you're going to want to do is travel that road more and more so go with God's word the way that it tells you to go and know that if you fail rather than alter it go for it and fail I'm not saying fail on purpose but go for it and if you fail so be it if you alter it then you say you alter it and then you fail right you failed at your own plan how dumb are you fail at the perfect plan of God at least you shot after that don't fail at your own plan and we all do anyway third first was faith second do all that the word of God tells you without alteration third Trust the Holy Spirit as the only one who's going to accomplish the goals that your obedience sets forth. Your obedience to God is set forth, is you setting yourself forth on something to do that's important. But I can't do it alone. I can choose to travel it, but I don't have the vehicle, I don't have the energy, not, not for this road. To travel my own road, I can muster it, but there's nothing there. But to travel God's road, I need Him, I need His energy, I need His wisdom. And in this, when you accomplish it, because of this faith in the Spirit, some marvelous thing happens that crushes the potential pride that's going to come to your mind. Will you do something divinely good? The initial temptation say what a good boy am I who is that the guy with the plum and the thumb or something I don't know nursery rhymes <laughs> Chris Chris you are my bastion here this is great he stuck his thumb in a pie and said what a good boy am I you don't know oh you don't know you're still you're telling me <laughs> I get it I'm just gonna do I'm gonna follow you it's always been the right direction. Thank God for my wife. The initial temptation. Boy, I'm pretty awesome at this spiritual life. Oh, and you know, there's so many people who aren't. Those poor peasants. Right? They're like serfs on God's land. Well, I'm a landowner, aren't I? Oh, this is the path. This is the path to lo- you lose it. You lose it. You lose it. And we've all done it. And we find out it just there's no joy in that. Self promotion, self congratulations is like the dullest life in the world. There's nothing in it. We all know this. So that's just three simple things. Faith, do what the Word of God says without your alterations and trust God the Holy Spirit to make it a reality.
to get you home, get you there. And now, that sounds exciting. It really does. And when I hear myself say it, I am excited by it. And that's why we've got to hear the Word of God on a regular basis. You will get excited about this if you're not one who t- who hears or reads the Word of God on a consistent basis. You will the excitement about this will wane by this afternoon. As soon as your t- if you have a team, I don't. Which I'm okay with this. This is a segue, by the way. This is a commercial. I'm a, I'm from New England. Uh, I'm born, born and raised in Rhode Island, and uh, my team was the New England Patriots. Since I was a kid, back in the Steve Grogan days where they didn't win anything. And uh, <clears throat> how many? Seven Super Bowls? Ten? I don't know. I, I lose track. But I know, I know ta- yeah, we have seven, don't we? We've gone ten times. Anyway, they're not in the Super Bowl anymore, so whatever. But uh, that was a terrible commercial. Now back to, <laughs> Now back to our regular programming. You will forget. That's why we're, we're, as fallen creatures, we're wired to forget and then to fill our time with all the distractions. Which is it, you know, does that mean you've got to read the Word of God your every waking moment? No, it means that you have to continuously remind yourself of who you are, why you're here, and who your Lord and Savior is, and what He's called you to do. And that's not hard to remember. God gave us prayer as well as scriptural study, so that we can keep this, what's that first word there? Be careful. Therefore, verse 15, Ephesians 5.15, therefore be careful how you walk. It's how you live. Be careful how you live, not as unwise. The unwise are forgetful. This is too important. It's too important. And it's fantastic. Now, we have been many questions. Is it the Holy Spirit that makes me obey? Or do I obey first and then the Holy Spirit starts working? Do I get filled first and then He makes me obey and do? Do I obey and then He fills me? What? Oh, heck, wait a minute. How does He fill me? Do I confess my sins first? Do I pray I mean, I can't think of any sins right now, but I know I have them, so I'll just confess whatever comes to mind. Do I pray first? Do I confess and then do? And on and on and on, we have all these questions. How do the mechanics of this work? And that's my opening illustration. Confess your sins. Do the will of God. Be humble and submissive. Do all of that. And everything I just said there, the answer to them is yes. And I let C.S. Lewis's illustration in, in Mere Christianity is one of my favorites. He said, you know, when it comes to faith and works, does faith come first or the work comes? Does the filling of the Spirit come? He doesn't talk about the filling of the Spirit, but does the filling of the Spirit come or confession first or so on? It's like asking which blade of the scissors is doing the cutting. All right? This is all, God doesn't want us to get so detailed that we're getting lost in mechanics. Now think about it. 
I can feel it. I could feel the energy in the room when I was talking about the manner and the way of life of the Spirit. And then when I started talking about mechanics of all the questions, I don't know, I think I sucked the life right out of the room. It felt like that to me. <clears throat> now we're going to, you know, the Word of God, we're going to do the, what, what the Word of God tells us to do, and we're going to do all of it. But know this. That if you're if you're prideful in sinning, the Spirit's not taking you anywhere. Where you, he's not going to take you in the path of sin. Uh, if you're prideful, nope, there's no work in there. So Paul calls this in, in Ephesians four the grieving of the Spirit. Basically, at base level, the grieving of the Spirit is committing sin. Why is the Spirit grieved? Because he's a person. The Spirit is the third member of the Trinity, and it is his pleasure. That he can work you, work him through you, to live this awesome life. So sin, confess it. The stuff you don't even know in the Lord's Prayer, you confess that you are a sinner daily. But don't let that stop you. Now, okay, be faithful. And the faithfulness, that's my next slide, See, which one are you? The rusty... I gave you a little bell, too. The, <laughs> if you can see that. Are you the rusty tricycle or the awesome... I don't even know what this car is. I just found a, an image that is not copyrighted. So, uh, yeah, it's something called a, a light something or anyway. But uh, it, it looks like a... Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of the car name. But anyway, talk about... Sucking the life out of the room, right? So, uh, you know, we're the rusty old tricycle. You can go little on your own road, pretty small, slow. But God, the Holy Spirit, are going to take our faithful efforts and make them supernatural. That's what He's do. That's what He's in us to do. He's going to take our efforts and make them supernatural. Now. Our efforts have got to be according to the Word. They can't be efforts that are outside of God's will. He's not taking it. You're, you're, you're on your own and your rusty little tricycle on that. Uh, we have to know God's Word so that we know what to do, what to obey, you know, how to think. It's all there. It teaches us how to do everything. And in that, we will do. We trust that. So as we'll see this week, there's a a tailor in the Old Testament who's got to make some clothes. And then there's a craftsman, two of them, who have to make the tabernacle look good. Now, the tabernacle is Moses' tabernacle. Right, the, the one. Well, it's God's tabernacle, but it's Moses who receives the instruction. Now, what is the the garment? The garment is for the high priest, and the garment of the high priest. The high priest represents Jesus Christ Himself, who is to come. And this this these clothes that he has to wear with the the turban. There's a plate on the turban. That's the most important part, made of pure gold. There's this uh, uh, breastplate and all of these layers of garments that have particular colors and particular tailoring uh, 
And God says to this person who is already a skillful skillful tailor, I am going to fill you so that you get this the way that I want it. Now, what's the application to us? Because here's one thing to remember. The tailor is a tailor. He already has skill. God, the Holy Spirit's omnipotent. He could have used a donkey to make this garment if he wanted. But he uses a tailor. He's already got skill, but he doesn't have enough skill to make this. Now, you and I have skill. What are your skills if you're a believer? You're born again. You have the Spirit of God within you. And to do any of this, you've got to have the Word of God in you. You've got to know what the Word of God says about life. And with that alone, are you able to make this garment? And the garment represents what? I mean, I, I'm running out of time here. I, I want, would wanted you, well, we'll do this in the future, but I want you to actually respond. You know, what does this mean? What do you think? And don't be afraid to respond. Like when Jesus told it, it's, it's really a parable, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a type in the Old Testament where you've got a skillful tailor who's given this garment to make that's pretty much beyond even his ability. But then God the Holy Spirit gives him the ability to make it. How does that apply to us? Amen. Spiritual gifts. You can speak if you want. I will repeat them to the people who are listening online. So why I, I know this, you know, why don't we want to speak? Well, if I get an idea, it's going to be dumb, right? Uh, so I'm not saying it's going to be. I'm just saying, so what? You know, so what? The, the reason why this is, see, Caleb said spiritual gifts. Were, were the rest of us speaking of spiritual gifts, thinking of spiritual gifts? Probably not. But that's a part of it. And see, to every parable, there's one main truth, but how you picture it, and, you know, there's around that main truth, there's all this periphery stuff, like spiritual gifts, that maybe you're not thinking of. And so when all of us can contribute, whatever we think, whatever comes to mind, the rest of us learn. It's really true. And it's actually a better method than, you know, what usually happens is the pastor asks you the question and then he gives you the answer in two seconds. And whose opinion are you getting on this? Just his. So, what does this refer to? Now, the, the guy making, the, there's two guys making the tabernacle. It's the same thing. They're both craftsmen. But God says, you've got to make this tabernacle. Now, the tabernacle represents heaven where God dwells, and the Holy of Holies, where God is going to dwell, and all these pieces of furniture that all represent some part of the holiness of God. And it's really God saying to the craftsmen, I know you're good, but you're not this good. So, I'm going to give you the ability. How does that apply to us today? Right? You've got to have some skill. Like you can't be an you know you can't be an unbeliever 
and have God the Holy Spirit make you great. And you can't be a believer who's just hyper, you know, all you want is sin and carnality. I mean, he'll work, in that case, he's going to work on you. Yeah, I bear the the scars of that. He's going to work on you. But can he work through you to do that which is positive? Not really. And what it's all it all comes down to faith. So what is God God's going to make you a master craftsman, a master tailor, so that you can make what he wants. And too many of us are like, you know, whatever, God, you just want a tabernacle? Come on, man, it's just a tent. It's a tent with an inner room and another inner room. Just give me the dimensions, I'll throw it up. I know some carpent I don't. I would the thing would all collapse on high priest if I put it up. That would be the end of Israel right there. No, I'm just kidding. But you know, I, if I'm a carp, I, I'll put it up. God's like, uh, 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 uh. This represents me, and you, and me, all of us. We are the same. Where did God dwell in the tabernacle? Where does He dwell now? You. Can I do what God wants me to do through my own skill? Nope. And so when his name's Bazalel, great name. When the tabernacle's done, does he go, hey, Abraham, check it out. Look at those cherubim. There's all kinds of carving and all kinds of gold metal work. This dude, he's got to do... He's got to be a silversmith, a goldsmith, a blacksmith, a carpenter, uh, an artisan. He wasn't all that before he started. <laughs> I don't think so. But you think he's saying, Abe, check this, these cherubim out, man. I look at them. They are perfect. Only I could do that. And then, right, he dies in the tabernacle of pestilence because God is like, you jerk. What, so what would he say? Uh, you know what, Abe? Abe is back. See that cherubim? Before God worked with me, I couldn't even have done anything close. You've seen the cherubim I've tried before. And Abe's like, yeah, they were good. They were okay, but nothing like that. That is brilliance. And that's what God is making out of our lives. That is the filling of the Spirit. Now, this week we'll talk about how. right, And, and, a, and some more manifestations of it, like happiness and energy and stuff like that. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your Word. Thank you for this gift of the Spirit. Thank you for our Lord and Savior who has made this gift possible. For without Him and His death, in resurrection, where upon the cross He died for the sins of the whole world, all of my sins, all of everyone's sins. And whoever believes upon Him will be saved. And whoever believes upon Him will be indwelt by God because He and He alone is the Savior of the world. We thank You, Father, for Your revelation. We thank You for Your Son. And we thank You for the filling of the Spirit, the Spirit within by which and through your word you give us the confidence to know 
that this is a reality. This is not some mystical, uh, it's not a myth, it's not, it's not even a, a distant wish. It's an actual reality for all who have believed in Christ as their Savior. Not by works, but by faith. And therefore, Father, by faith we must go and follow you. And so we ask, Father, that you bless us each with the revelation of your word and enlighten our hearts. And in Christ's name we pray, amen. Uh, We'll just uh, take our offering at this time and that that will do it. Uh, Let's pray for our offering. Our great God and Father in heaven, we take an offering now in the support of the church and also to give all of your children the opportunity to be gracious in their either, even if they can't give, in their hearts. So that, Father, as you have told us to be cheerful givers and that you will provide seed to the sower. And so right now, Father, we sow and that we ask that through the uh, finances that you provide, that we do your will. In Christ's name, amen. I want to give one final shout out to Dave. I think they're like a week behind, so he's not. Yeah, I, sorry, I do this all the time. Chris, give me the no. Uh, <coughs> subject. I need a subject. Uh, Dave, who lives in uh, Dave Taggart, lives in uh, Norwood, Massachusetts. Has been a huge Philadelphia Eagles fan his whole life, and he's super pumped today. And he's going to hear this uh, like a week from now. So I'll say, Dave, I hope your team won. (laughs) Let's close in prayer. Thank you, Father, for your word and for our gathering. Thank you for the blessing that is here upon us all. And we ask, Father, that today we go forth in your grace with the great joy that we've heard and be filled with your spirit. In Christ's name, amen.